Thanks for tuning in to the Rusty George Podcast. Uh, always value your time. And today we're going to replay one of our favorite podcasts over the past year uh, with a woman by the name of Christina Kuzmich. And she is just a phenomenal communicator, speaker, blogger. Uh, she's really known for her, uh, what she refers to as truth bombs for moms. And this is a woman who found herself divorced, a single mom, uh, really struggling just to get by and found God's grace in her life and just did some incredible things to turn her life around and started sharing about it through videos on social media. And it just took off millions and millions of followers now and has just a great voice for the female community and for all of us uh, who are especially who are parents and i wanted you to hear what she had to say in our conversation we got to have so if you missed it the first time around here's your chance and if you heard it the previous time well take a listen again to my conversation with christina okay well we're here today with christina kuzmich uh, and that's Ukrainian, is that Croatian. right? Croatian. I'm sorry, Croatian. Close enough. Okay. <laughs> Russian? I don't know. Uh, Facebook will take you care of that. You got the right continent, uh, okay. so we're good. Okay, not here. Um, all right, so you are you have an unbelievable story, and that's what I want to get to, but just currently right now, you are known as um, the Truth Bomb Mom. Uh, you create videos that go instantly viral of just commiserating with moms and what they deal with whether you're eating lunch, which is a pan of brownies, <laughs> or you're dealing with the kids that are mad at you with- I'm very healthy. Exactly, yeah. with wine and ice cream. Um, you share a blog and videos. Um, you talk about hope and humor. And somewhere over the last couple of years, you've grown from just sharing a few ideas into now posting in every week and with 2 million followers. Uh, that's unbelievable. Yeah, I still, it doesn't make sense to me. And I before I ever did anything on social media, I thought, well, that's easy. Because there's so <laughs> many people that are on there. And then I started posting things, and I get one like, I get one share. It's my mother, you know. And then to see you do this, and you've been so kind as to post a few of my videos, and they get like 30,000 views, which I've never had that before. So anyway, I want people to hear your story, okay? How did you get to that place and then we'll kind of dig into this truth bombs for moms kind of idea because you really speak to an audience that that I think needs to be encouraged and uh, uh, liberated and freed up to be who they want to be because you you emulate that. So tell us, tell us who is Christina Kuzmich? Well, it's funny. I never, you know, you grow up and you sort of have a vision of what your life will be like and I never thought that I would be super transparent vulnerable person mm -hmm. <laughs> telling everybody all my uh, garbage but I went through a painful divorce when my kids were one and a half and three and I ended up completely broke I was on food stamps I didn't even have my own place I basically rented a room and shared a room with uh, my kids couldn't even afford a bed I was sleeping on a floor my friend had bought the kids bunk beds and you know, financially, obviously, it was really hard. But then also, I sunk into a really deep depression mm -hmm. and just felt like I'm worthless. I'm a loser. I actually thought about taking my life, um, thinking my kids would be probably better off mm. without me. Mm. And um, because of all of that, and that's kind of a longer story of we can get into if you want to, mm. of, you know, getting out of that, 
it created this passion inside me to be for others what I needed when I was sleeping on that floor. Mm -hmm. And that sort of has always been my mission, whether it's a funny, silly video or whether it's a video where I am really open and, you know, sharing my struggles and my pain. My hope has always been, I just, what did I need? What did I need when I was on that floor, overwhelmed with motherhood, worried about paying rent, and completely felt worthless, what did I need? So mm. that's sort of what drives everything I do. And again, it started with just humor. My first, I don't know, 20 or so videos, maybe more, were all just kind of funny, funny, funny. Mm -hmm. And then I started hearing from moms who were like, oh my gosh, I needed that laugh. I needed that perspective because I'm struggling. And you know, sharing these things that were so similar to my own story. And I thought, well, man, I should probably share my serious stuff too. And that's when the following really blew up. Mm -hmm. is I think what I realize is we all struggle it do, the level doesn't matter I think it's actually ridiculous for us to even compare you know struggles every human being I know struggles and every human being has this desperate need to just know I'm normal mm. I'm okay mm -hmm. and I'm normal mm -hmm. and I'm not stuck mm. and so that's sort of become almost like a calling or a ministry for me is I am going to be your cheerleader that's going right. to, you know, and I feel like I can tell you because I've been there. Right. You know. What is it about social media that you think that, I mean, that we see so many things that are just aiming for our immediate attention, but we really kind of lean into those that are authentic. Uh, what is that thing inside all of us that's just, we yearn for that, and yet we find it from the most inauthentic place. Mm -hmm. social media what do you see in that and what do you hear for people well I think when social media first came about everybody was just posting their best it's like that Christmas card right yeah. you send your Christmas card the photographer took 3,000 pictures and there's one and even with that one you probably had a Photoshop like a f different facial expression from your kid from a different picture just to get that one picture right, right? and that's what social media was and I think it got to a point where eventually it just made everyone feel like I am a freaking loser. Mm -hmm. I'm a loser because right. I don't have that. And then when people decided to be more honest, and that was really important to me, is that I didn't make myself or my life seem perfect. Right. I think it was almost like when you're starving and someone gives you like a really nice juicy steak and you're like, oh my gosh, I need, like I am desperate for yeah. that, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because I've been told along the way to, I've been given so many notes on how to make myself look more professional and don't say this and word it this way. And, mm. and every single time I've tried something that didn't feel authentic, I failed. Mm. I don't know if you know my story about, do you know my Oprah story? Yes, but tell it for our listeners. Well, I'll, I'll give you the short version because it's a very long version, but um, <laughs> there's, I can tell very long stories. Um, <laughs> right after I got remarried, my husband basically, we couldn't even afford a honeymoon. He was back in school. I did not marry for money, Rusty. Um, he was back in school because he decided to change careers. I'm still waiting tables and broke. And we didn't take a honeymoon. And so we're at home the day after um, our wedding. And he said, what do you want to do, you know, other than motherhood? And I was like, I don't know. I've just been drowning in this. I haven't had time to really think about my own dreams. And I basically through his encouragement, decided to make these cooking videos because I felt like cooking for strangers, which is a whole nother story, saved my life in a way. Mm. Um, and decided to put these cooking videos out. Eventually, somebody told me to enter this Oprah competition, just sent in a video, didn't think anything of it. Mm. And basically, months later, I win 
Oprah search for the next TV star. Mm. And I am given my own cooking show on the Oprah Winfrey Network. Mm -hmm. And Oprah is grabbing by the shoulders and saying, I love how real you are. I, you know, I love mm. that you don't pretend, blah, blah, blah. And then Oprah goes off and she's busy with all of her million projects. And I'm stuck with TV execs who decide that I need to be an expert and I need to be perfect. Mm. And the whole reason, the whole point of my cooking show and the way I pitched it, and I, I think the reason I even won that whole reality show is because I wanted to do something that would encourage moms. Even back then, mm -hmm. even though it was through cooking, I had the same mission as I do now. Mm -hmm. I want to be for others what I needed when I was on that floor. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I was pitching to networks, hey, let's do a show where I'm trying to make dinner, but my kid's throwing a tantrum in the kitchen because every mom out there will be like, yes, that's what my, you know, that, mm -hmm. it's my kitchen doesn't look like Food Network Kitchen. That, right. Or let's do an episode where I spend all this time roasting a chicken and then motherhood distracts me and I pull out the chicken and it's completely burnt and the episode ends with me ordering pizza. Yeah. And I'm like, this is, you know, and everything got knocked down. Like, no, no, that's not how TV works. That's not how cooking shows work. You know, let's do one where I'm in my pajamas and my hair is a mess and there's like a lollipop stuck in my hair. No, 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 no. So they basically turned me into an expert that was perfect and my kitchen was perfect and my cooking technique was perfect and my life was perfect and the show bombed. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad it did um, because I feel like I'd probably still be playing this character. Right. And so... Which, by the way, let's just think about that for a second. What a great concept because I've always wanted to thank see... You. Barefoot Contessa... <laughs> Pull yes. that, that roasted chicken out of the oven and put it right in the trash. Yes, you know she's burned burnt. stuff. Yes, yes. <laughs> As opposed to it being perfect. Yes. That would be awesome. And so, or you or you pull cheese out and you're you're all excited to like make this grilled cheese sandwich and then you open it's moldy and it's like, okay, well, we're going to have to get creative today. We're having a grilled cheese without any cheese. So I learned a great lesson. Or you just cut the mold off. That well, Yeah, that's an option. Unless it's like all moldy, which it's often penicillin. happens. Yes. Yes. And it's blue cheese. <laughs> um, so when I decided to sort of take things into my own hands years later and make my little videos, I'm so glad that I went through that, you know, cooking show experience because it, it, I knew what it felt like to fake and to not be authentic. And mm -hmm. I feel like there are still people, whether they're have social media pages or they're just, you know, regular people who occasionally post on social media for friends. They're still playing a character. Mm. They are, you know, wiping the counter clean before they take a picture of the flowers their husband gave them instead right. of just leaving the mess around yeah. the flowers. I mean, we all, we've, we've all been guilty of it, right. you know, or we're going to take a selfie, but oh my gosh, I got to fix this and fix that first. Mm. And, um, and it's all, it's all, we're all just playing a character. And the minute that I decided I'm not going to play a character, I'm going to be who I am, take it or leave it, um, that's when everything sort of happened. So you start shooting these videos. Yeah. Which become like your journal. Yeah. You're just, here's who I am, here's what I've dealt with, and people just flock to it. They share it. Yeah. They want to know more. Where'd it go from there? So the first crazy thing that happened is just like anybody else who starts making videos, you, you put it out there and then you hope that at least your friends will watch it, right? Mm -hmm. Well, then by the fourth video, I wake up one morning and my phone's blowing up because Ashton Kutcher shared my video. Mm. And I was like, why, why does Ashton Kutcher yeah. share out my videos? I know what that's like. <laughs> yeah, been there. <laughs> <laughs> and so his wife had just had um, their first baby and she was breastfeeding and the video was sort of like in support of breastfeeding mm. moms. And... 
then it just really started blowing up. So it was him. Then all of a sudden I did a video where I talked about my kids being mad at me and People Magazine is calling yeah. saying we want an interview because that's so controversial that you don't want to be your kid's best friend. I'm like, really? That's controversial. And so it just sort of grew. But one thing I've noticed is consistency is so important. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times people will put, and it doesn't even matter if it's social media or if it's whatever job, you create something and then you sit on your butt and you wait because any day now someone's going to knock on my door and go, that one thing you created that one time was so awesome. I'm going to offer you a million dollars. And, yeah. you know, and it's like, we just got to keep moving and we got to keep creating and, you know, right. whether it's our career or our life or whatever, we got to stop waiting for somebody to come and hand us something. Right. And so the more I create it, and I still continue to create, you right. know, I'm, you can't ever get complacent. Right. Well, the, the rules have changed. It's yes. no longer waiting for that TV deal. No. It's no longer waiting for the publisher to call and say, I'd like to write yeah. a book about you or have you write a book. You can do that all yourself. Yeah. Because of social media. Okay. So what do you say to the mom sitting out there that thinks, I've got an idea or I've mm-hmm. got a story to share, but I don't know how to get started. I don't know how to get this out there. So when I first started making my parenting videos, I had a camera I didn't know how to use that a friend gave me to guilt me into making videos. And I did not know how to edit. I didn't know Mm -hmm. how to do anything. And so basically, I set up the camera and spent hours Googling which button is which. And literally, I I had my third baby and I I would, in the middle of the night while I was breastfeeding him, that was my time to learn how to edit and teach myself how to edit. Mm -hmm. So first of all, do your research and put in the work. Mm-hmm. You got to put in the work. I mean, it's not all glamour and yay, I'm on camera and people right. are going to share it. It's a lot of work. And then once you put in that work, figure out what your message is and stay on point, stay authentic and do not compare. There are so many people making videos and it's so easy to compare. Mm-hmm. I'm compared all the time. Hey, you should be more like this person. Hey, you should do this. I, I don't even pay attention to other mom bloggers. Not because I see them as competition, but because I need to stay in my lane and I need to stay authentic. Mm-hmm. And what worked for somebody else might not work for you. Mm-hmm. And I think what I hear a lot from moms who are trying to blog is, well, there's already so many people doing it. Mm. Who's going to, you know, no one's going to care about my message. Well, here's the thing, like back to the cooking thing. Every chef I know on Food Network has made a roasted chicken. Mm. But I will still watch somebody make a roasted chicken because mm. they got their own thing. They're putting curry on there, and I've never put curry on my roasted chicken. So it's kind of like that. Like you, no matter how many people are out there creating right. content, you have your own thing. Mm-hmm. And the minute you start comparing or competing, you're literally, you're creating a character all of a sudden, and you're not being yourself. Mm-hmm. That's good. And then, and then just be consistent, like I said. So... Put in the work, be authentic, and be consistent. Okay, let's talk a little bit. Sorry. Go ahead. And do it for the right reasons. Okay. If you're doing it just because I want the views and I want the followers, Mm -hmm. it's it's probably not the right thing for you. Right. And it's not going to grow because, again, that's not authentic. And and so much of what I hear is you've got to know who you are, you got to know your why, you got to know your reason. How did you discover that and how could someone discover that? Because there are a lot of things you could talk about, a lot of voices you could share, but... I mean, I think we, I'm one of those people that believes that everybody has like a real purpose in life, a real calling. People just don't always discover it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't discover it until I went through my own hell. Mm-hmm. And it it's crazy how it all makes sense because I was passionate about motherhood when I was like six and eight. You know, I, I've always been passionate about moms. Never did I think someday your job will be to be like a cheerleader for moms. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so pay attention in life to what, not just what you love. I think a lot of people are like, I got to figure out what I love and then I'm going to figure out my calling. I think sometimes we figure out our calling by finding out what angers us mm. or what pains us, mm-hmm. right? And the idea for me of, and I could cry right now, but the idea of a mom feeling the feelings that I did when I had, you know, with these two little kids and feeling so, you know, desperate and drowning mm. and worthless, it pains me. I mean, it pains me. And so that's where my passion comes from, is if I can help just one mom who's feeling like that, if I can make her feel like, you got this, you're mm-hmm. gonna be okay, and this is not permanent. This this hell you're going through, it feels permanent, it's not permanent. Right. Then, oh my gosh, I am, I'm done, I've done my job. Okay, let's, let's dig into that a little bit. You said something that I hear often, and sometimes I hear it from the context of, well, my spouse and I are fighting, they'd be better off Mm-hmm. if I just left. Mm-hmm. In your case, you're dealing with such depression, you're thinking my kids would be better off if I just wasn't here mm-hmm. anymore. For somebody out there who's thinking that, what do you say to them? Well, first of all, it's a lie. It's just a big, fat lie. And there are a lot of lies we tend to believe every day. Of our- I still have lies that I believe of myself and I have to put myself in check. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the problem is that we are we humans are so good at focusing on all the things we don't have mm. and all the things we can't do and when we and and that's a by the way it's easy to focus on that because the things we don't have and can't do is actually a much longer list if we're going to be honest mm-hmm. than the things we can do and do have and so it's easier to focus on that long list right mm-hmm. but when you if you can put push that aside and sit there and go, what can I do? Can I tell you a quick, actually, this story is what changed my life. Mm-hmm. And this is how the whole cooking thing happened. No, you can't share that then. Okay, let's talk about something else. My <laughs> shoe size is in that. <laughs> my favorite color is blue. So um, I'm, in, I'm in the depth of just despair. I mean, I'm, in, I'm at my lowest point. Mm-hmm. And can't sleep one night and I'm wrestling with, you know, I, I felt like I was, and I think everybody who's gone through depression can relate to this. I felt like I was obsessed with myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was literally addicted to my misery. Everything was just like, life sucks, oh. I suck. I mean, you become obsessed. It's like the most self-centered in a sense thing because all you can think about is you and how miserable you are and mm-hmm. how miserable life is and everyone's against you. And um, and I I was had this epiphany one night. I'm like, well, the only way to get out of me is to do something for others so perfect, I'm gonna volunteer. And I don't know if it'll change my life, but at least for a couple hours every week, it'll distract me from my life sucks. Mm-hmm. And so I start calling homeless shelters and soup kitchens, and I called the Los Angeles Children's Hospital, and basically got denied by everyone. Which by the way, when you're at your lowest, and then you get denied from volunteering, that's a whole nother level of losership. <laughs> but yeah. So, but the they reason, won't even let me. They help. don't even want me. Um, they don't even want me to help the homeless. Like I'm not even worthy of that. So, um, but the reason I got rejected is because I had at that time my kids were already I think two and almost four, and I didn't I couldn't afford a babysitter. Mm. So I was like, I'm gonna bring my two and four year old. Can you imagine? Like mm. they would do more harm than good. So they're mm. like, you can come, but you can't bring your kids. But of course, when you're you know feeling miserable, you take everything personal, and so. Then I had this feistness in me, which is probably my great, one of the greatest life tips I can tell people is stay 
feisty. It's like the only way to get through either a hard parenting day or a hard life is you mm-hmm. got to stay feisty. Mm-hmm. You got to have like this, you know, will inside you and this fight. And so I got feisty and I thought, you know what? I'm there's even when I feel like a loser, there's got to be something. There's going to be something mm-hmm. I feel like I can do. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I could think of is I know how to make an amazing meal on like no money. I've always loved cooking. I can I can do it. And then I thought, you know, again, all those negative things always pop in your head. And you're like, well, so what? You can cook a meal. Like, what's that? That's not going to save the world. And then without even really thinking it through so impulsively, I sent an email to all my friends in my area. And I said, every Wednesday night, I'm going to feed people. And so if you know somebody who needs a meal, whether it's a homeless person, you have to know them personally because, you know, I have kids. Or maybe it's an elderly man who just lost his wife and he's just lonely. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it can be somebody who has way more money than me, but they just need company. Or maybe it's a college kid who's sick of cafeteria. Whatever the need is, I don't care. I'm not right. asking. Bring them to my place. And then I went to the 99 cent store, which 99 cent store and I were like super tight. We still kind of are tight. And mm-hmm. um, bought pasta. I mean, I literally like a few bags of pasta and sauce, cheap, like I probably spent like five bucks and made this big pasta dish. And that first Wednesday night, I fed over 30 people. Hmm. in my tiny little apartment. My apartment was so small. And by the way, I had a roommate because, again, I couldn't even afford my own place. People were taking plates and, like, having to go outside and stand outside my apartment because we couldn't all fit in the living room. And I get chills every time I talk about it. But what that did is, I mean, I still remember when I closed the door after the last person left, I, I sobbed so hard. And it was different. It wasn't the sobbing that I had done for all these months prior. My life sucks and blah, blah. I sobbed with this sort of new hope of, oh, what did, look what you just did, Christina. Right. Like, you think you're this worthless loser. You just fed people. Right. On, like, no money. Like, you know. And, um, but what that taught me, and it's a lesson I still carry, because even though my life is great, I still struggle. Everybody struggles, right? Mm-hmm. Is when I decided to put all those thoughts of all that I don't have and all that I can't do aside, and I really concentrate, what is the one, is there one tiny little thing? And it seems so insignificant. Like, who cares that I know how to cook? But when I decided to focus on that, mm-hmm. I was not only able to feed these people, but I was able to help myself. Right. And that was, that was my turning point of, mm. well, if I can do this, what else mm-hmm. can I do? And I'm not stuck. And I'm not a loser. And I'm going to figure out other little things I can do. Right. So that was life changing for me. And that's the one thing I try to tell everybody who's struggling, you are capable of something, but you're Mm. not even focusing on it because you're so busy obsessing over your long list of things you can't do. Right. Wow, that's that's a huge learning. And that's obviously, that's the message of Jesus, Mm -hmm. you know, to do for others what, what, they need and you see a need you meet the need and and to take the focus off yourself so i want to ask you about that because this is so much of your story I mean, you're a preacher's kid for mm-hmm. one is kind of bringing you back to what god wants to do in your life where's god in mm-hmm. your life through all the difficulty not just the blessings that you're feeling right now well it's interesting when i went through my divorce and all that and i felt very much like nobody cared, which I think is a pretty common thing to feel when you're like, nobody gets it and nobody cares. And I actually remember feeling like, and again, I grew up in the church. My dad was pastor. Both my grandfathers were pastors. Like church was everything. God was everything. And, um, and I just remember feeling like, you know what, God, I, 
I bet you don't even care. Mm-hmm. Because here I am feeling stuck and nothing's getting better. Mm-hmm. And I, I had these like sort of these arguments with God of like, you don't even care. And then the craziest thing happened. I was driving back from church, ironically. And my kids were with their dad for the weekend. So it was just me. And I am, again, stressing about everything and worried. And I, my mind is going crazy. And there's a red light. And I end up completely not noticing it, and I crash into this BMW that was right in front of me. Mm-hmm. By the way, if you're gonna, cr- if you're broke and you're gonna crash into a car, don't crash into a BMW convertible. Oh. I, I suggest crashing into like an old, you know, a Pinto, eighties pick. Yes, yeah. thank you. I was gonna say Yugo. I don't think oh, they make wow. those anymore. Um. Anyway, so I crash into this BMW convertible. The guy gets out and his girlfriend, and he's obviously ticked off. I mean, I destroyed the back of his car. Thankfully, nobody was hurt, but it was bad. And we exchange information and all this stuff. And um, I get in my car. And at the time, I had nothing in my bank account. I was waiting for the following weekend when I would get, you know, go back to waiting tables and get tips. And um, I had medical, like it was one of those times where it was the worst. Like it was just, the crap had piled up really high. And I had already asked my landlord if I can pay rent late. Like, it was just bad. It was just bad, and now I was going to have to deal with this. So I don't hear from this guy. I don't hear from this guy. And then finally, a couple of weeks pass, and I leave him a voicemail as I'm driving to my job. And I said, hey, listen, I was so stressed out that day. I'm worried I wrote down the wrong information or something, and I just I don't want you to think I'm trying to, you know, cheat you out of something. So here's my this is my number again. Here's my email, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I get back from work and there's an email from him and it says, you're going to think I'm nuts, hmm. but every time, oh, I get chills saying this. Every time I try to pick up the phone to call you or sit down at my computer to email you, I was overwhelmed with this feeling of do not ask money from her. Do not wow. ask for anything from her. Wow. And he's like, honestly, it's kind of ticking me off, but I'm going to, you know, he's like, I, you might think I'm crazy, but I believe it's God speaking to me, you know, in his own way. And I'm just going to take care of this myself. And then I emailed back and was just like poured my, you know, storm like, this is my storm, blah, 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 and, you know, and ended it with like, I'm sorry to unload on you. I just needed you to know how right. real this is. Mm. And um, and then he responded, said something like, oh, thank you for unloading because I kept telling my girlfriend she's probably just some college kid and daddy was going to pay for it yeah. because I didn't even have my the car seats were with my ex. Like he didn't know I had kids. He didn't know anything about my life. So and we're still the interesting is we're still friends so it's always interesting when we're at a party together or something and people will be like how'd you guys meet oh i crashed into his bmw <laughs> um but i felt like it, it was god going okay you're not going to take my subtle hands which mm-hmm. i think when we're miserable we're really bad at the subtle stuff mm-hmm. so i'm gonna you know make it really obvious mm. the poor guy had to pay for me learning a lesson right <laughs> but, right but um well he learned a lesson too yeah he mm-hmm. did yeah um but it was interesting how God needed to show up in such a bold, blunt way. Um, and I and I do think it was, I don't think I would have seen it if it wasn't mm-hmm. so big. And then, you know, I, then I could sort of have that hope and faith again. And obviously that, just that helps, you mm-hmm. know, get wow. through stuff. That's a great story. All right. So for every woman out there that's feeling overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. What would you say? You are completely normal. And every single uh, 
person that you are comparing yourself to, and I think everyone who's overwhelmed is comparing, mm -hmm. they are struggling too. Mm -hmm. And their struggles might be completely different than yours, but they are struggling too. And anything you're going through right now is not permanent. Mm -hmm. I think that's the, the biggest thing I needed to learn is, and it doesn't matter whether it's post-divorce depression or whether it's, you know, my kid will not sit on the potty. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter what extreme it is. It right. feels permanent. And I'm working on a book right now. And the tentative title, we might change it, is something I said once that stuck with people. And it's hold on, but don't hold still. And the whole idea is, you know, we're going through a hard time. People are like, oh, hang in there. Hold on. Hold on. That's great. Yes. Hold on. Don't give up on your life. But you can't hold still either. Mm -hmm. You got to keep moving forward. And when you are in that place where you feel like I cannot walk another step forward, then you crawl forward. Mm -hmm. But you keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. And it, and and again, stop comparing your journey to somebody else's. Yeah. I mean, I think the most important thing though for for people who are struggling, I've learned just through, you know, my viewers, is they they just want to know they're not alone. Uh -huh. And what I always think, you know, whatever it is you're going through, somebody else has said it, thought it, walked it, you know, mm -hmm. crawled it, suffered through it. Somebody else has been there. Mm -hmm. And somebody else has actually gotten through it. Mm -hmm. And so you will too. And then someday maybe you'll be doing what I'm doing and take that pain and be an encouragement to somebody else. That's so good. The more overwhelmed we get, the more we begin to compare ourselves. Yeah. That is so true. Because we start looking around saying, well, they don't have it as bad as I yeah. do. Or the other extreme, which I also find just as dangerous and nobody mm -hmm. talks about, is, well, I don't have it as bad as them, so how dare I complain? I should just suck it up and suffer alone. Mm. I mean, I see both extremes of like, you know, everybody else's life is easy and mine's harder and nobody can relate. Mm -hmm. Or how dare I complain about anything when there's so many. And it, to me, it's not about complaining. I always, the way I say it is like, don't marinate in it, right? Mm -hmm. We shouldn't marinate in it. But... We also need to be able to express that we feel and not suffer alone. Yeah. I mean, it's like your book, Better mm -hmm. Together. Did you like that plug? Thank you. you like Hashtag. <laughs> Thank you. Um, no, but but I'm such a big believer in the whole. You know, it takes a village, and we need. Yeah. And one thing I found is, and again, whether it's now where I actually really like my life or when I hated my life, I needed other people. And I feel like we all we're taught from a young age, like. Think about it, when when my little kid, when my toddler does something, I'm like, oh, and you did it all by yourself. Oh, Good yeah. job. We're taught from a young age that doing it by yourself huh. uh -huh. is the right way to do it. Right. And um and I just That's I I just think we we need other people. This is this is how I feel. And people always hate some people hate when I say it, because again, we all kind of want to feel like we can do it by ourselves. We all want to be our best, but I feel like our best is beyond us, just mm. us. I feel like we need other people in order to really be our true best. Mm. And I know that's unpopular because, again, it's like this independent spirit of I mm -hmm. got this on my own. But I don't know why we're all just trying to be superheroes on our own when mm -hmm. we, it's, mm -hmm. we need, I, I personally need other people mm -hmm. in order to be my best. Wow. And there's nothing that's wrong good. with that. And it doesn't make me inadequate. It just makes me human. Mm -hmm. We have to own it. Yeah. Yeah, we have a saying in our house, my wife always says, and that is, you don't have to suffer in silence. I love that. Yeah, and uh, so we say that enough that it becomes kind of almost a joke. You know, mm. our kids will say it back to us or whatever. And so Lori and I went and watched the movie um, A Quiet Place. Have you seen this? No. You know, where if they speak, then the monsters hear them and, yeah. and kill them. 
halfway through it, she leans over and goes, I think in this case you do have to sit through silence. <laughs> That's hilarious. Because <laughs> this lady's like giving birth and she has to be quiet, you know. Oh, my god! Oh, it was great. Uh, but such a great, great insight into, uh, I mean, our pain makes us go inward because we think yeah. no one gets it, no one knows. And I don't want to bother anyone with it. I don't want to bother yeah. anybody. I, you know, they got their own problems. Yeah. Um, but rather, and then we end up bothering the people we should leave alone. Yeah. You know, yeah. we just heap more upon our spouse or our kids when, when they can't fix it. So anyway. All right. So uh, I want to wrap this up with uh, a few questions for you. And these are questions that we ask uh, everybody on the podcast. Um, and that is, do you have a favorite book you're reading right now or one that you would recommend? Oh, my gosh. Besides, of course, Better Together. Right. I was just going to say Better Together. Well, okay, this, I, this wouldn't be my favorite book, but it's a book that's helped me because I have two teenagers. There's a book called, and I can't remember the author, um, Yes, Your Teen is Crazy. Something like that. Okay. I think that's the exact title. I might be butchering it, but something like that. But it's it's a great, it's actually a really great book. And I think the same author wrote one for teenagers called Yes, Your Parents are Crazy. Oh, okay. And anyway, it's just, it's made me feel normal, which okay. like I said, we all need to feel That's like good. Me. All right. Uh, an app that you really like right now. Oh man, you're asking really hard questions. Um, you can pick a couple if you have to. Um, the Real Life Church app. Of course. <laughs> I can't pick them. Yes, a lot of good stuff on there. Actually, hold on. No, I got one. I got one. Kids in Mind. Do you know this? No. Kids in Mind. It's actually, um, there's also a website, kidsinmind.com. Every single movie that's out there. It will not just tell you, hey, we suggest this is the age. They will tell you every single little violent act, every word, every sexual, like everything yeah. in detail yeah. so that you can decide what's appropriate for your child. I love that app. That is a great app. And so is Kids Media. Oh, yeah. That yeah. one does the same thing yeah. and plugged in as well. Um, those are great. Do you know about this app called R Pact? No. You, you sync your kids' phones up to it and you can shut off apps. <gasps> Oh, I it's heard of a similar one. Brilliant. Different. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So there's times of the day that they're not able to access it. And I love that stuff. All kinds of different things you can do. Okay. Um, anything you want to tell us as far as where people can find you, website, Facebook page, all that kind of stuff? So on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, it's always at Christina with a K and then K-U-Z-M-I-C. Okay. And yeah. Okay. And we'll be looking forward to the book and... Thank you. Movie deal and you want to write it for me? And I'd be honored. Yeah. Better together. <laughs> be too. my ghost writer. Yeah. Yeah. Because I enjoyed writing so much the last time. Yeah, there you go. All right, this has been awesome. Thank okay. you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this. Please share this with a friend. And if you get a moment, write a review for us. It really helps us get the word out there. Next week, we'll be back with a brand new podcast uh, as we continue to go this entire summer with a podcast every single week. Hope you enjoy. We'll see you then.